Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. Now, I don't expect you to have 1 Corinthians 6.19 memorized, but you might recall, if you do, that God's word there stresses that the Holy Spirit lives within the Christian. And through the Spirit, my friends, we can overcome the evil in the world, including sin, Satan, temptations, persecution, and false teaching. And we can live victoriously according to God's plans and purpose for our lives. And my friends, if there is a theme in today's chunk of First John that I think is worth just remembering and owning, it is to endure in everything, especially in the confession that the real Jesus is Lord and Savior. And I do mean the real Jesus. <laughs> hey, hopeful ones. Welcome to today's slice of our journey together through the Bible in a year, reading through every word of God's self-revelation and considering our own lives in light of that. Uh, my own, this very weekend, my significant other is going to be in a setting where there is known and open use of tarot cards. And this may not be a ministry setting for everyone, but it is for us in this particular case. And we've been praying that to whatever degree people there acknowledge spirits, small s, <laughs> plural, that she will have the chance to acknowledge the spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask for your grace today. I've had a little less chance to prepare, but remember this, and I trust that you'll see this in our reading in John, endure in everything, especially your confession that the real Jesus is Lord and Savior. First John, picking up in chapter 2, at verse 18. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. But you, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is a liar if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This one is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. Now what you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And, and this is the promise that he himself made to us, eternal life. Now, I've written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and, and is true and is not a lie. Just as it has taught you, 
remain in him. So now, little children, remain in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children, and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, but because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin because he has been born of God. And this is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Unlike Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brother and sisters, if the world hates you. I'm going to pause. I'm going to just back up. Sometimes we miss connecting those thoughts. He just says, Cain acted because his deeds were, or his deeds were evil and his brother's deeds were righteous. Right? It's talking about how what's in our heart plays out. And then it says, don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world, if the world hates you, right? Part of how we are known very well could re result in somebody not liking you. <laughs> I just read a story yesterday about a friend in, or a connection in Colorado whose uh, town went after the company or organization that owns the building where his church rents and trying to get his church booted out because they don't like the church's position on biblical sexual ethics. You with me? Continuing. Don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. And this is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 
If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts. He knows all things. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now this is his command, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he has commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. My friends, do not miss. I know this is a longer chunk of our New Testament today. Don't miss. It's the very last verse or line of of chapter 3. And we're going to read the first six verses of chapter 4. Don't miss this next section. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the Spirit He has given us, capital S. Dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now it is already in the world. You, little children, are from God, and you have conquered them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. And this, this is how we know the spirit of truth and spirit of deception. Capital S, small s. I'm going to read that again. This is how we know the spirit of truth and spirit of deception. All right, that's chapter 2, verse 18, through chapter 4, verse 6. But I wanted that to hold, to hang together and close up right there. My friends, because um, if there is something that I think we often forget, it's that, it's a favorite verse, right? Depending on your translation, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, Right? And just like walking into a den of vipers, so to speak, I'm praying for my significant other because she walks in with the Holy Spirit, right? Not in her own power, but abiding in the Holy Spirit. We do and can be God's hands and feet here, his emissaries, his His Christ-likeness in and to the world. Not of the world. And you know how that goes. <laughs> All right, turning to our Old Testament segment. Uh, you know, we heard um, 
Well, going back in the book of Judges, we've heard God's, we've heard multiple accounts of God's mighty deliverance. And then so, then yesterday we heard uh, Gideon's narrative open with this, what is a new threat introduced in the narrative, which is the army of Midian. And after some doubts, God convinces Gideon to act as a deliverer. And unfortunately, uh, the hesitancy that marks Gideon's early actions Sadly, today, you're going to hear, blossoms into outright violence and apostasy until the entire nation abandons their Lord and worships an ephod, which is crazy. And remember, even Gideon was called out in the, in the long list of people of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. So keep this in context, but it's really useful to remember that, that God is sovereign and uses even income poops for his glory sometimes um, and uh, yes it says income poop in the Hebrew so just remember that judges chapter we're just going to do one chapter today judges chapter 8 picking up at verse 4 Gideon and the 300 men came to the Jordan and crossed it they were exhausted but still in pursuit he said to the men of Succoth, Please give some loaves of bread to the troops under my command, because they are exhausted, for I am pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. But the princes of Succoth answered, Are Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hands that we should give bread to your army? Gideon replied, Very well. When the Lord has handed Zeba and Zalmunna over to me, to me, I will tear your flesh with thorns and briars from the wilderness. And we went there from there to Penuel and asked the same thing of them. And the men of Penuel answered, just as the men of Succoth had answered. And he also told the men of Penuel, when I return safely, I will tear down this tower. So pause. What's going on? He's in pursuit of the kings of Midian that are in, you know, beaten feet. But these people won't help Gideon because in a sense, they still have loyalty or fear the might of these kings of Midian. Okay, continuing. Now, Zeba and Zalmunna were in Karkor, and with them was their army of about 15,000 men, who were all those left of the entire army of the people of the east. Those who had been killed were 120,000 armed men. Gideon traveled on the caravan route east of Nobah and Jagbaga, Jagbaha, and attacked their army while their army felt secure. And Zeba and Zalmunna fled, and he pursued them. He captured these two kings of Midian and routed the entire army. Gideon, son of Joash, returned from the battle by the ascent of Herez. He captured a youth from the men of Succoth and interrogated him, and the youth wrote down for him the names of the 77 leaders and elders of Succoth. And then he, Gideon, went to the men of Succoth and said, Here are Zeba and Zalmunna. You taunted me about them, saying, Are Zeba and Zalmunna now in your power that we should give bread to your exhausted men? So he took the elders of the city and he took some thorns and briars from the wilderness and he disciplined <laughs> the men of Succoth. He gave them a whipping. And he also tore down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. And he asked Zeba and Zalmunna, What kind of men did you kill at Tabor? Oh, they were like you, they said. Each resembled the son of a king. So he said, They were my brothers, the son of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you would let them live, I would not kill you. And then he said to Jeth Jether, his firstborn, Get up and kill them. But the youth 
did not draw his sword, for he was afraid, because he was still a youth. Zeba and Zalmunna said, Get up and strike us down yourself, for a man is judged by his strength. So Gideon got up, killed Zeba and Zalmunna, and took the crescent ornaments that were on the necks of their camels. Pause. You want something to go investigate? Judges 8.21 took the crescent ornaments. Are you with me? Remember, Islam didn't come into into existence till it was the 5th or 6th century. And where we're at here in Judges is what? Probably 800, 700 BC? Anyway. Then the Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you as well as your sons and your grandsons, for you delivered us from the power of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. This is one of the smarter things he said. And then he said to them, Let me make a request of you. Everyone give me an earring from his plunder. Now the enemy had gold earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And they said, We agree to give them. So they spread out a cloak, and everyone threw an earring from his plunder on it, and the weight of the gold earrings he had requested was 43 pounds of gold in addition to the crescent ornaments and ear pendants, the purple garments of the, on the kings of Midian, and the chains on the necks of their camels. Gideon made an ephod from all of this and put it on Ophrah, put it in Ophrah, his hometown, and then all Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there and it became a snare to Gideon and his household so Midian was subdued before the Israelites and they were no longer a threat the land had peace for 40 years during the days of Gideon Jerob Baal that is Gideon son of Joash went back to live at his house now Gideon had 70 sons his own offspring, since he had many wives. His concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, and he named him Abimelech. Then Gideon, son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of, of his father Joash in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. When Gideon died, the Israelites turned and prostituted themselves by worshiping the Baals and made Baal Barith their God. The Israelites did not remember the Lord their God, who had rescued them from the hand of the enemies around them. They did not show kindness to the house of Jeroboam, that is Gideon, for all the good he had done for Israel. All right, that wraps up chapter 8. I wish we could read something like that and not just see our own contemporary situation all over it, right? We think we're so sophisticated 2,900 years later or whatever it is, and uh, yet that's exactly the same kind of nincompoopery we see going on in the world right now. So maybe we need some wisdom. Our wisdom segment today it comes out of Proverbs chapter 24, picking up at verse 5 which is continuing on in the section of Proverbs referred to as 30 sayings of the wise. A wise warrior is better than a strong one, and a man of knowledge better than one of strength. For you should wage war with sound guidance. Victory comes with many counselors. 
Wisdom is inaccessible to a fool. He does not open his mouth at the city gate. The one who plots evil will be called a schemer. A foolish scheme is sin, and a mocker is detestable to people. If you do nothing in a difficult time, your strength is limited. Rescue those being taken off to death and save those stumbling towards slaughter. And if you say, but we didn't know about this, won't he who weighs hearts consider it? Won't he who protects your life? No. Won't he repay a person according to his work? Friends, that gets us up through verse 12. A wise warrior is better than a strong one, my friends. And uh, everything requires endurance. This side of heaven, we're going to have to endure. Endure in everything. Not least of which, my friends, is, a, is your confession that the real Jesus is Lord and Savior. And if you have any concern about who the real Jesus is, would you call me, send me an email, send me a text message, I would love to talk with you or pray with you. And if you want to know what I'm talking about, go read Colossians chapter 1 or Galatians chapter 1. If anyone should bring another gospel, they should be cursed. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.